Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. And grab a seat in this confetti filled room. I love confetti. Anybody else love confetti? I love confetti. I love parties. I try to party at any opportunity given to me. A uh, couple of things I want you to know on the first, uh, the first part of my message. First is my name's J.D. If I don't know you, Jigga. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Watson, the house, a legend. Legend. Wow. Man, it's good to see you, buddy. Um, a couple of things I want you to know. The first is that we are on the doorstep of Pastor Chris Otts, who you just heard from preaching his very first series here starting July 15th. So if you're not planning on being here July 15th, you need to change your plans because he's going to be taking us into an incredible series. I couldn't be more excited about it. You're not going to want to miss it. And right in the middle of that, on July 29th, everybody say July 29th, my friend from Hillsong in Sydney, Australia, his name is Joel Bennett. He's been on staff with Hillsong for many years. He was on their youth team, one of their youth pastors. Uh, Now he actually has transitioned into traveling the world and just preaching the gospel. And this past year, he's literally been all over the world and seen thousands of people make decisions to follow Jesus. So on July 29th, I want you to bring everybody. God is using him in a powerful way, and you're going to love hearing from him. He has an incredible accent, which makes everything just more anointed. Okay, I'm just going to keep it real with you. All right, somebody with an accent prays for you. It feels different than somebody who prays for you without an accent, okay? And the great thing is, is they feel that way about you, which I don't understand because I don't feel like we have that cool of an accent, but they think we do, which is amazing. But you're going to want to be here July 29th. Joel Bennett's going to be here. Don't miss it. Invite your friends. We're really believing that God's going to use that Sunday to bring in a great harvest. So if you've been wanting to bring somebody to church, you've been believing God, for a transformation in one of your friends' lives, a family member, July 29th would be a great day for you to bring them to church. We'd love to have them, and they will love Joel for sure. All right, well, today uh, we're launching into what I like to call my mini-series. Okay, it's going to be a two-week series. It's a mini-series, and the title of this mini-series is called How's Your Soul? How is your soul. Third John chapter 1 verse 2 says, Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. Just as your soul is prospering. How is your soul? Is your soul prospering? Do you feel like your heart is thriving? Do you feel like you're winning on the inside? How is your soul? I'm believing over the next two weeks that hopefully each of us will be able to answer this question with a little bit more clarity, maybe a little bit more hope, and hopefully a little bit more expectation as I believe that God wants to bring some healing to our souls. How is your soul? You know, I started dating Liz. It was like two weeks before school ended at Baylor University. 
So I was heading to Houston, which is where I'm from. Holla at your boy if you live in the concrete jungle. No trees allowed in Houston, right? Everything's just bay and grayish and concrete, hot and humid. So I'm heading to Houston, going to work my summer job. But my plan, since we had started dating, was that I was going to take every opportunity I could, every free weekend I had, I was going to drive to where she was going to be living in, which is going to be in Waco, Texas, over the summer. That was my plan. We had talked about it. I was like, I'm going to be here as much as I can. And so that's what we were doing. And one of these trips, I'm gearing up for it, right? And about the week before the free weekend that I was going to be traveling to Waco, my truck, which was a 1987 maroon in color Nissan pickup truck, the old school body. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, great truck. It starts making this weird noise. Now, I didn't have money to fix the weird noise, so I did what all poor people do, deny that it's there. (laughs) Have you ever done this? It's nothing. So that started like early in the week, and then like towards the middle of the week, there's these weird vibrations that would happen when I would exceed about 60 miles an hour when I'm on the highway. So I started having to drive a little slower, a little slower, and the vibrations would kind of come up every once in a while. The noise would come up every once in a while. I'm just in full denial that anything is wrong with my truck for multiple reasons, right? No cash to fix it, but also I don't want anything to hijack my weekend that I have planned with Liz, right? I've got this great date planned. It's going to be amazing. So here we are Friday, Friday late afternoon. I'm leaving my house. I'm cruising to Waco about 50, keeping it real below the vibration level, just trying to make it, right? Denying that there's any problems, denying that anything is going to happen. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Texas, okay? It's about three and a half hours from Houston to Waco. I'm in the middle of nowhere, about 30 minutes outside of Bryan, just me and a bunch of cows. And all of a sudden, that little vibration turned into a roar. And it was as if the truck was being shook by a giant, right? It was just like, now normal people would have stopped, but I'm in denial. I'm good. I got an hour and a half left. Just endure it, bro. You can make it. Just keep eyes forward, full heart, expectant eyes. You know what I mean? I'm going. Now, here's the thing. You got to understand the whole level. I mean, this date, I had been planning this moment. And I'm dressed in my finest clothes, right? You know you have that shirt that just works? You put it on, it just works. And you love it so much, you go buy one just like it, and you put it on, and it somehow doesn't work? Has this happened to anybody else? You're like, I don't know what it is about this one, but that's my one. When I need to be looking, you know, lit, fire, as the kids would say, that's what I'm going to wear. So I'm wearing it. Now it happens to be white. So I'm wearing a white shirt. This is early 2000s, so I'm wearing plaid shorts. So if you're wearing plaid shorts this morning, no offense, but let's go shopping later, okay? And so, and they're like a gray color. And so my truck is like shaking, like violently shaking. And then all of a sudden, like in an instant, I hear boom. My car flies to the left, and then it shoots back over to the right. I look out the rearview mirror like somebody hit me, and I see rubber flying everywhere. I had a blowout. I'd never had a blowout before, and it scared me to death. I limp over to the, so, to the shoulder, get out of my truck, go around. I was in the 
passenger side, rear tire, my whole fender is just destroyed. Bent crazy. There's like black streaks just ripped off the paint. There's nothing left on the tire except the rim. It was completely gone. So I have to change. Now, look, it's summer in the middle of nowhere, Texas. I am pouring sweat, changing this tire, putting on the little donut. This is pre-cell phone, right? This has never happened to me before. So I'm thinking, now I'm just going to soldier it on the donut for an hour and a half, right? I get like 20 minutes down the road in the college station. I'm like, that's not wise, okay? I need, I need to stop now or this is going to replay itself again. So I go in a discount tire, and I actually have the remnants of the tire in my truck, and, and they begin to tell me, do you know why you were feeling those vibrations? It's because your tread was starting to separate. Just the wear and tear of using that tire had subjected it to some soft spots, and those vibrations was your car warning you, if you don't fix where the tread is separating, bad things are going to happen. I could have hurt somebody else. I could have been severely hurt myself. All because I was in denial about the little vibrations that I was feeling five days before. How many times has that played out in our soul? There's like a little tremor that happens in your heart. You feel a little angst. You, you seem to find yourself responding in anger that doesn't really justify the moment. Are you just kind of really prone to judgment for some reason? It's like somebody walks into the room and you just judge them. Like you don't even know why. It's just like this response where you're just like, well, I don't like them. Like you don't even know who they are, but you're like, I don't need to know. <laughs> right? I mean, like have you felt these like little tremors, like these... These little things that happen where, where it, it, sometimes it even happens at church. Like you see something and it just kind of makes you go, ah. And you're like, my soul is not prospering right now. Right? How's your soul? What's going on in your heart? I think it's important that we understand that there are moments that are like vibrations that reveal to us that we might have some things that are about to come apart. And, and that if we look past them, if we don't fix them, I think the more appropriate word for our soul is if they're not healed, then we're going to find ourselves in the middle of an explosion. Because our soul was designed to prosper. Your heart was made to be full. But sin has an effect on our soul in a dramatic way. Because I think sometimes we think about sin appropriately. Now, if you're new to church and you don't even know what this word sin is, sin means simply to miss the mark. To, to miss the mark. Romans 3.23 says it this way. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, we all miss God's perfect plan 
for our lives. We all miss the mark, right? We all have sin. And we talk about sin most of the time from the reality of the consequence of that missing the mark is separation from God. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that sin separates us from God. The perfection of God and the brokenness of humanity, there is a gap, there's a space. And we've often talked about in this church is that Jesus came to close the gap. The grace of the living God is that he sent his only son to live a sinless life, to do what we couldn't do for ourselves, and to stand in the gap in the sin which the consequence thereof is death, that that death would come upon Jesus and then he would conquer sin and death by coming back to life after three days, making a way for us to have a relationship with him and walk in the grace and forgiveness and hope of our Savior. And we talk about sin from that lens most of the time, but I want to say that sin doesn't just separate you from God. Sin leaves residue on your soul. Sins that we have committed, but also the, the consequences of sins committed against us. Things happen to us sometimes that leave our soul with a residue on it. And, and that residue over time is kind of like my tire where the tread starts to separate. Just the wear and tear of life on a soul can compromise its ability to keep moving forward. So this question of how is my soul is really the question, is my soul healthy? Because healthy things prosper. Sick things die. Healthy things prosper. So is my soul healthy. I love how David, who wrote most of the Psalms, which is in the middle of the Bible, describes the effect of the residue of sin on the human soul. He says this, my wombs fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I'm bound down and brought very low and all day long I go about mourning and my back is filled with a searing pain. There's no health in my body. I'm feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in the anguish of my heart. Sin doesn't just separate us. Sin affects us. And we need a healthy soul. And the only way we're going to go from broken to fixed, from tread separating to healed is that we encounter the healer. We, we need a healer. Our, our hearts need to be healed. And Psalm 147 verse 3 says, he heals the brokenhearted. That should have fired somebody up. Somebody broken should have hollered me down right there. Okay, let me read that again. Give you a second opportunity. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. their soft spots where the tread is separating. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And he restores 
my soul. I've said this so many times, but I want you to hear it again. God's heart is not for you to survive. God's heart is for you to thrive. So if your soul is not prospering, if you're having a real conversation with yourself where you're like, I might have some prospering areas, but there's also some struggling areas, some surviving areas. The promise is, is that Jesus restores our soul. He's a healer. You know what's amazing about growing up? is that sometimes it's the things that happen to you when you're a child that create an inability for you to do what you're created to do as an adult. When you talk about a soul prospering or a healthy heart, oftentimes when we get really into it, we're talking about things that happened to us before we could even make our own decisions. The consequences of living in a fallen world affect our soul. It affects our heart. We got residue all over us because of things that were said to us and things that were not said to us. Relationships that went sideways. Parents that said horrible things to you. Maybe a coach or a teacher that spoke a lie over you. And we have residue on our heart just from living, just from the where. And tears, sometimes not even the decisions that we made, the hardest residue on our souls to deal with is often the lies that were spoken over us when we were growing up. And we will find ourselves having marriage problems, and you're fighting with your spouse, but really you're fighting with your daddy. Have you ever been in a fight that made no sense? Residue. The effect of residue. Residue will begin to lie to you. Let me tell you about something that happened to me when I was in seventh grade. Anybody else have any residue from middle school that's a lifelong a trauma? The whole room should go up. It's like, it's, it's like, I don't know what it is from like 12 to 14. It's like everything you're going to have to get counseling for happens then. <laughs> so I'm in seventh grade. I had this dude. He's like my best friend, man. I did everything. He's like my school friend. You know, you, did you have a school friend? It's like, you, you cruised with them at school. It's like they, they, they were who you hang out with, who you hang out with at lunch, who you cruise the hall, who you're looking for to high five in the hallway. You know, it's just like they're your school friend. This dude was my school friend, man, since like elementary school. He was my dog, man. We did everything together. And we would, when it came to school, man, we, we, our lockers were next to each other. We did everything. We were separate. You could not separate us. Now, for some reason, in seventh grade, he just decides you don't want to be my friend anymore. You know what's so funny? I'm 37 years old. I still don't know why. He just stops talking to me. I mean, we were so close. My mom would drop me off at his house, and we would ride the bus together. And I remember sitting in his living room before school in seventh grade and him walking right past me as if I didn't exist. It was like one day he just stopped speaking to me and never spoke to me ever again. No reason why. Nothing happened. It was just like he's just like, I'm done being your friend, I remember, man, the pain of experiencing rejection, like real rejection for the first time. Do you know that that thin spot, that soft spot, that tread separating spot on my soul still affects me today? I'm a 37-year-old grown man, and I have moments where I wonder if the people that are my friends really want to be my friend. 
And it all comes back to walking into his house in seventh grade and feeling like I was invisible. Do you think the things of your past don't affect how you shape your future? No, they do. Dramatically. That's why Jesus doesn't just want to forgive us of our sin. He wants to heal the residue of our sin. He wants to restore your soul. He wants to get into those dark places, those things that were said to you, those moments where you encountered rejection, abuse, things that never should have come across your eyes were thrown in front of you. You were put in situations you never should have been in as a child. God doesn't just want to give you grace maybe to forgive the person who did that to you. He wants to give you grace to heal you, to restore you, to put you back together again, to deal with that residue, that effect of sin. You know, there's a a passage of Scripture that when I came across it, it's been on the top of my list of favorites for or since that moment. It's Ezekiel 37. Now, there's a lot of reasons why I love this passage of Scripture. One is I'm a dreamer. So if you're familiar with the Scripture, you're going to know that this passage of Scripture really is a prophetic declaration on a dead group of people that are coming alive in their hearts. And so as a dreamer, I love that. I love to think about dead things coming to life. I love to, to think about the potential of an army that I can't even see yet. Right? And so there's a lot of reasons while I'm drawn to this passage, but as I was studying it this week, it jumped out to me in a fresh way. Because you know why the people of Israel were brought to a place of basically just being a valley of dry bones? It's because of the stuff that they had gone through. Ezekiel was talking to their soul. And God knew that the soul, the sins that they had committed and the sins committed to them or committed to them, those things had brought their souls so dark that they needed a supernatural rescue. And the promise over them spoken by God is actually in a few verses before 37 in Ezekiel 36 starting in verse 25. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols. And I will give you a what? A new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. And I'm going to remove the heart of stone, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And then, it says in Ezekiel 37 verse 1, the hand of the Lord, what he's doing is he's going to take Ezekiel and let him see this is how I'm going to do it this is the prophetic promise I'm going to take their heart that has become calloused and heavy and compromised and and I'm going to make it new and this is how I'm going to make it new and it says in verse 1 the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley And it was full of bones, and he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor. In the valley bones, they were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you only know. And then God begins to tell Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to the bones. 
I want you to tell them to start coming together. And so he starts prophesying to the bones. And they start coming together. And it says that tendons were coming on them and skin was coming upon them. And all of a sudden, there's just like this rattling in the valley. And all these dead bones that were lifeless and washed up begin to take the shape of life. But it says in verse 8, but there was no breath in them. There, there was no breath. Have you ever felt like you were walking around with no breath in your soul? No life in your soul. Your soul's not prospering. You're just surviving. You're not thriving. There, there was no breath in them. And then it says, then he, God, said to me, Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breathe from the four winds and the breath into these slain that they may live. You know that word breath here is the word roha. You know roha is also seen in Genesis 1 verse 2 when it says now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit, the roha of God was hovering over the water. God was saying, speak to the dead places that the new life creating spirit of the living God would invade the dead places of their soul and breathe life. With one breath, all of a sudden, what was dead becomes alive. What was broken becomes restored. The life prophesied to the breath, the creating breath of God. You know, when God breathes on your soul, it begins to restore your soul. You know, we all have some soft spots. And my story of being in seventh grade might be nothing compared to what you've walked through in your life. Some of you guys have gone through some stuff, man, that I just hate. And the residue on your heart is affecting you in ways that you can't even see. And Jesus wants you to hear him say to you right now, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your what? Souls. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All you have to do is come. Are you hearing me, church? All you have to do is come. But we don't just come one time. We keep coming, and we keep coming until the past residue is no longer an issue. It's not just a one time I show up. It's like I'm going to keep showing up until this residue is no longer an issue, until this little vibration is completely gone where I can step into an environment that used to just absolutely set me off and be unaffected because I've been healed I've been restored 
I've been put back together again. The past is no longer shaping how I see my future. I have been restored. The roha of God, the breath of God has breathed over my soul and it is washing away. It's making me whiter than snow. No more residue. Come on. No more residue. No more effects of the sin that has robbed you from your freedom. No more residue of the decisions that you wish you could undecide to do. No more of the effects of the things that were done to you because we just got to keep coming. We just got to keep coming. I'm going to come until the residue is no longer an issue. I'm just going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep getting prayed for. I'm going to keep saying, no, I'm not going like, to deny the vibration. I'm going to step in to the full revelation. Come on, somebody. No longer are we going to deny the vibration, but step into the revelation of who Jesus is and let the breath of God wash over us and blow over us and not just receive the forgiveness of sin, but experience the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the creator of heaven and of earth, blow over the wounding in our soul and make us new. Jesus makes all things new. Can I just tell, can I just prophesy over some hearts right now? Jesus makes all things new. He makes them all new. Can you stand to your feet? Because I believe that we're standing on the forefront of a healing revolution that's going to bring transformation. Because God wants to heal our souls. And so when somebody says, how's your soul? How's your heart? You can say, you know what? I used to have some past issues that left a little bit of residue, but my residue is no longer my issue. Because I kept coming, weary and broken, and I found rest, and I found peace for my soul. Everybody lift your hands to heaven, let's pray. God, we need a touch. We need a touch from heaven. We need the breath of heaven. We need you to breathe over us, God. We're, we're the valley of dry bones. All of our souls have been compromised and been hurt and the residue of life and the things that have happened to us and the pain that we've endured. God, I'm asking right now that the breath of heaven would blow from the four winds and that you would breathe over these slain that they may live, that the broken places in their hearts may be restored, that they will not be held down by the residue of their sin, but their hearts would be free, made new, completely, completely free of all the pain and the chains and the weight and the heaviness because you made a way. And when you come, there's freedom and healing in your wings. Come on, let's sing this song together.